Good afternoon, my sparkly friends. I hope you are having a good weekend. And as we are in June, as I have been saying, happy pride. I hope you have been celebrating joyously and in abundance because duh, it's pride. <laughs> Earlier, I said that we were just going to be doing the book, but I had found this graphic novel earlier, and it's really, really short. It's only 10 pages, and it's sad. What lesbian doesn't like to get sad? So, you know, if you're not lesbian, that's totally fine. It, it is really um, a lovely piece. The thing I like about your hair, again, while it's very beautiful art, I feel like the dialogue tells the story independently. As with all of the pieces that I feature on Saturday Morning Cartoons, they're independent artists, they're small, and the publishing houses are small. So please, go support them. Go buy the comics. None of them are expensive. I want to say this one was a dollar. And pretty much all of the ones that I've read to you so far out of the graphic novels can be purchased on Comixology. I am not sponsored by Comixology. I just really like it. And I think it's a uh, if you are someone uh, who is disabled and not able to get out of the house to go purchase a comic that you like, or if you just want to try something out before you buy it, you know, have both the physical copy and the the digital. That's really convenient. Let's start with Your Hair by Nikki Smith. My fingers throb as I loosen my grip on your hair. What are you doing? Nothing, sorry. Um, you gonna come to bed anytime soon? You haven't even eaten dinner. You shouldn't... I shouldn't what? You know this is important, Jessie. But I can cook you something. I'll be fine. Really, go to bed. We can talk in the morning. Or, no, I have to be on the site early. I can get up with you. It's okay. Don't be silly. I'll be fine. It isn't working anymore. I know it. And you know it. Or maybe you're just too busy to notice it. Do you watch me as I sleep anymore? Am I just a distraction as you try to focus on more important things? The words I want to hear never come. My fingers throb as I loosen my grip in your hair. What? I've been thinking of getting my hair cut. But your hair is so beautiful, Kate. I always loved it. Why? Come on, Jessie. It's not a big deal. I'm just tired of it. I want to change, you know? Don't make such a big deal of it. But... But what? Oh, hi. I want to make an appointment for Saturday. Are you tired of me? I don't know what to do. I don't want to let go. My fingers throb as I loosen my grip in your hair. And that's the end. The illustrations are almost monochrome with touches of red and kind of beige. They look like they might be watercolor and it's just, you can feel the distance 
between the two lovers. It's like there's this air of longing as it finishes. And I guess it's kind of left for you to wonder what's going to happen next. Ah, it's, it's very heartbreaking. I think a lot of us have been there. It's that fork in the road of a relationship. And it can either be strengthened or you can become more distant. When I look back on my relationships, I remember being at that place and feeling like I can do something about it. But if that other person isn't infested, then I'm just really I don't, a grasping, I don't know, like needles essentially, because I'm very much injuring myself. And that's, that's how I can relate to that character. Well, onto something that I hope is a little more uplifting or um, at least with a quicker beat. This is Critical Hit by M. M. Stevens. I read the reviews and they were mostly positive. It incorporates Dungeons and Dragons. From what I read, it was a pretty... It was done well, I guess, and it was like a pretty accurate portrayal. So, let's see how it goes. This is chapter one. We still on for tonight? We're on every Friday night. You know that. I know that. We've only been playing for three years. No need to be a bitch. Just making sure, and... I got a question. Kristen sighed heavily and leaned back from her desk. Books were strewn across the surface, opened and stacked, their glossy pages and fantasy illustrations exposed for quick reference. Dual monitors lent a dim light to her face, and she stared at the campaign she should have spent more time on this week. James was calling last minute, and she didn't have time for his shit. Just ask it, man. I'm trying to get ready. Can I bring a friend? I don't know. Can you? James huffed loudly, and she moved the phone away from her ear. I hate it when you pull that grammar shit with me. May I bring a friend tonight? Biting her lip, discomfort wiggled in her belly. She shouldn't have a problem with this. Kristen didn't have many friends, so she should welcome the chance for a new one. Especially one willing to come to a session of Dungeons and Dragons on a Friday night. But the weekly sessions were also sacred to her. A time to hang out with a few friends she had. The ones who had stuck around through the years. They were steadfast and loyal, like knights sworn to a lady. Only they're no knights in armor, and I'm not the kind of lady who wants men sworn to her. No, Chris would rather be the one in armor, fighting alongside the guys for a maiden's token. What happens if I say no? She's not going to say no. Not to James. But she's curious about his polite request, since... In the past, others in their group have just brought their girlfriends without asking, James included, which meant this friend of his had the potential of being special. You won't say no, he teased, because I'm bringing a girl. Okay, you've brought girlfriends in the past, no big deal. Not a girlfriend, dummy, a girl. 
who's single and more sapphic than I tend to date. Chris sat up more, swiveling in her chair. I'm listening. It was a running joke in her group that Chris hadn't been on a date since high school. Coming out during her senior year had actually been glorious. If you don't mind a bunch of girls interested in experimenting before going back to their boyfriends or looking to add another edgy notch in their belt. Chris had many girlfriends then, but they'd all been fleeting. Her deep-rooted introverted tendencies meant college had been books, class, and late nights spent reading and writing Buffy fanfiction. <laughs> Not so much hands-on time with the ladies. I thought you might. She's my co-worker. Her name is Lacey, and she's sort of nerdy like you. Also a lesbian, like you. Might as well rent a U-Haul and send out wedding invitations now, Chris grumbled. And for the record, a lesbian being in the room with another lesbian doesn't automatically equal love and sexy times. Just like you don't dump the legs of 50% of the population just because of the opposite sex. Correction, that line was hump the legs, not dump. I know that, but she's your type. My type? To be fair, Chris didn't have a type type. Just a requirement. Lesbian. Lesbo. No experimenting. No testing the waters to see if homo feels good. If Lacey had introduced herself as a lesbian to James, then she already had a check in Chris's needed qualities list. Stats? James chuckled. Maxed out charisma and intelligence. Wisdom and constitution are high, too. Strength and dexterity, unknown. Ugh. James was getting her back for being the grammar police. What does she look like, asshole? That means, yes, James, you should totally bring your single lesbian co-worker to our game tonight. So, we'll see you at seven. He hung up, leaving Chris still swiveling in her chair, suddenly nervous. Before the call... Her biggest plan had been to find a monster that might cause a party wipe. They'd been bending some rules, pushing their characters, and it was time to remind them that she was the dungeon master. Now, though. Glancing at the clock, she saw she had another three hours before everyone arrived. That left two hours of planning and one hour to get ready. Normally, she'd leave herself a half hour tops. The guys had seen her at her sloppy worst. Hair that dry shampoo wouldn't save, ratty t-shirts, and sweatpants. Tapping a pencil against her lip, she'd tried to focus on her campaign again. James is a computer programmer, which means Lacey probably is too, so she's smart in a Cody sort of way. James had also mentioned nerdy, but that was something Chris took with a grain of salt. After all, these days nerdy could mean anything from having enjoyed a season or two of Supernatural to... I read a lot of books, to someone like Kristen. She'd been steeped in D&D, video games, fantasy books, and movies, and anime since she was a kid. It was her culture, and sometimes she struggled with the flippant way the, w the nerd descriptor was flung around these days. Lacey. It was a pretty name, rolled off her tongue. Well, if anything... Maybe they could add a new person to their weekly sessions. Other than James, there was Peter, Kristen's best friend from high school, and Trevor, a friend from college. 
There had been four players for a long time, but then Fred got married and his wife, all nice enough, didn't want to share him every Friday night. They'd all grumbled at losing their fourth player, throwing around words like whipped and ball and chain, but in the end, Chris thought maybe they were all jealous of Fred's new life. Two hours passed before she was ready, and Kristen scowled as she started closing books, printing sheets, and moving things to her den where they played. She wasn't ready, ready having only smattering of monsters and non-player characters prepped, but she could wing it. As she went upstairs to shower and get dressed, her anxiety mounted with each step. There was going to be a girl, one that James thought might actually appeal to her. Chris tried to remember the last time she'd even considered dating. It had been right before her father got sick. She passed his bedroom, looking in on him. The hospital loan bed took up the bulk of the room, nested among his respirators and medicines and other equipment. All there was to keep him alive, despite the cancer eating his body. He was reading a familiar and well-worn novel in his thin, papery hands. Tolkien again, Daddy? His shining, bald head lifted, seeming too heavy and out of place on his wayfish frame and thin shoulders. The smile he gave her, though, carried a world of love. Some adventures are worth going on all over again. Do you think Frodo will get the ring to mortar this time? This was a running joke between them. He'd make fun of her for watching Buffy for the hundredth time. Will she end up with that angel fellow this time? Or the blonde one? And she'd tease him back, asking if the characters in his beloved novels ever got to their end goals or not. Can't say. Guess I'll have to keep reading. His chuckle dissolved into coughing that shook his body, and Chris regretted the jokes even as her father fought to keep smiling. She stepped into the room and rubbed his back, hating how she could feel ribs and spine beneath her fingers. When the coughing slowed, she helped him sip his water. Her father's eyes shut. He'd been without eyelashes, eyebrows, hair of any kind for so long she'd become used to this new face. It reminded her of clay, soft and yielding, and still full of potential. Your friend's coming over tonight? Yeah. Are you gonna murder their whole party with some spectacular monster, the likes of which they've never seen? Oh, he knew her too well. She shifted from foot to foot. Well, I was, but James is bringing a girl, so maybe I'll play nice and let them look good against a bunch of kobolds or something. Her father's smile melted her and broke her heart all at once. That's my girl. James just stopped dating the other one. What was her name? Becky. And, um, he's not bringing a girlfriend. He's bringing a girl. Her father sat up with interest, his eyes twinkling. A girl, you say? His gentle mocking of her emphasis made Chris's cheeks blush. Well, what are you talking to your father for? Go get dressed. Maybe a dress and some makeup. Yeah, right. They locked eyes before descending into giggles. A lipstick lesbian, she was not. She wasn't really anything, she supposed, except someone who liked jeans, t-shirts, 
Chuck Taylors and the ease of a short haircut. Okay, let me know if you need anything, Dad. I love you. Kristen probably told him she loved him at least 30 times a day, which meant she should up her game because she was, he was her dad, her rock, and he deserved to know every second, every day, how much he meant to her. The grandfather clock in the living room chimed loud enough that it echoed throughout the entire house. If she was going to be ready for her party, and for Lacey, she needed to hurry. Her father shooed her away, and Kristen hopped up the stairs to her room in the attic, wondering if she should even be excited about Lacey. After all, her father's health was declining, and she was running behind on deadlines for work. But as she sought out her favorite t-shirt, the one that had a figure of a female warrior silhouette against a starry sky, and the words, fight like a girl, and a deep v-neck. She knew that trying to stifle the butterflies already building in her stomach was useless. When her doorbell rang, Kristen raked a hand through her hair before racing down the stairs to greet her friends. Chapter 2 You sure it's okay I'm here? This has been your thing for, well, forever, and I don't want to intrude. Lacey shifted uncomfortably in James's car seat. We're down a player, and I know you'll fit in fine. There was a catch to his voice, though. It probably stemmed from the wet nose and warm tongue currently snuffling around his ear. Lacey hid her smile between behind her hand before pushing Barkley, her terrier mutt, back. Barkley, be good! They were in front of an older ranch home, situated in an oak-filled neighborhood with similar ranch homes, and her dog was eager to get out of the car and begin sniffing around. You think they'll mind Barkley? Lacey asked. I think they'll mind Barkley, James confirmed, though he couldn't keep a serious face when saying the jumpy tan-colored dog's name. No one could. It was one of the reasons Lacey had chosen it. The dog had been a gift from her ex and the only thing Jenny left when they broke up. As Barkley hurled his tiny, excitable body onto her lap and gave her cheek a lick, Lacey thought she'd gotten the better deal. Well, hopefully after meeting Barkley, it'll be okay. He just gets so anxious when I leave him alone. Ever since Jenny left, he thinks I'm going to disappear too. James sighed, but reached over and scratched the dog's head with affection. I know, I know. You need to get out of the house too, though. It's been two months since Jenny left, and it's time to stop being so reclusive. This way, you can have grand adventures while remaining in the safe comfort of Kristen's home. Kristen? You said your dungeon master's name was Chris. Lacey breathed. Her chest was feeling tight, and the car seemed smaller. Change wasn't something she coped well with. She liked coding because it was simple and straightforward. You want something to happen, you devise the code to get there. There wasn't much variation, and, and Lacey was almost never surprised. Jenny had liked surprises, and had taken particular delight in surprising Lacey. She did not miss that. In fact, she was still so sore over Jenny leaving that Lacey was considering swearing off women for a while. It had been over two years since she'd dated a man, and she thought that maybe, if she could find a steadfast programmer like herself... I did, James mused. K-R-I-S, short for Kristen. When you meet her, you'll see she's definitely a Chris. The glint in his eye 
told her he'd used the nickname on purpose. Her mouth fell open. You're trying to set me up. This was even worse. Being surprised with what was essentially a blind date, and it was a woman? James knew that Lacey swung both ways, and he especially knew Jenny had done a ringer on her. What was he thinking? Hands waving in mock defense, James left. No, no, we're just going to a game at my friend's Chris's house. Chris, who is the dungeon master, and also single, and also a lesbian, and also, if you'll excuse me for saying it, stupid hot. Lacey's stomach felt like it had a rock in it. It wasn't that she was averse to meeting other women, she wasn't really, but she had been going out of her way to avoid all of rallies and Durham's usual gay stomping grounds. She told herself she wasn't ready for a relationship, but that probably wasn't true. She just couldn't bear the thought of running into Jenny with whoever she was with now, especially since the LGBTQ communities in both cities were large, but not that large. Everyone had dated someone who dated you, like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with boobs. Hence, the thought process to look at partners of the XY variety. I can't believe you're doing this to me, she snarled before opening the door so Barclay could leap out and promptly pee on a bush. Well, James said as he exited the, the car, it's only because I love you. And only, and I only know so many lesbians. And you need to get laid. That much is true, at least. Lacey missed that part of the relationship even more than she missed Jenny, which is probably telling about the longevity of the relationship. But Lacey wasn't willing to consider that just yet. You know that just because I like girls and she likes girls doesn't mean we're going to start fucking as soon as we lay eyes on each other, right? That only happens in porn made for straight people. Besides, I'm not lesbian, I'm bisexual. Funny, Chris told me something similar. Not the bisexual part, I'm pretty sure she's not fluid on the Kinsey stale. But the joke about not jumping on all the girls. See, you'll hit it off for sure. Crap. Lacey let Barkley mosey around as long as she could, stalling for some time to compose herself. It didn't help. James was being sweet, she knew that, but this felt like a sucker punch. All she'd wanted was to get out of the house, get some good laughs, eat food for a while, and not think about Jenny. Lacey knew if she felt under pressure to hit it off with James's friend, she'd probably end up thinking about Jenny more. Jenny had been full of drama. Most people didn't want drama in their life, but Lacey hadn't minded. It had given her something to focus on, a way to care for and nurture her tornado of an ex. But the same thing that attracted Lacey to her, other than fabulous legs, was the thing that ruined their relationship in the end. Drama was something Jenny cultivated, almost on instinct, and in the end, it came in the form of cheating. When she was gone, Lacey realized she had given all of herself to her ex, giving, giving, giving. Jenny's life was constantly in shambles, and Lacey had felt driven to try and collect the pieces. The sudden absence of a partner left Lacey feeling hollow. Now, drama and a needy partner were the last things she needed. 
but was time to focus on herself, which meant no more girls or boys on her radar. Barclay trotted to the door, tail wagging furiously. He at least approved of this house. He was probably just happy to be out of her house. He was a needy dog, constantly wanting affection, but she must be wearing on him, like a toddler shoving out of their mom, shoving away their mom. He'd been ignoring her pleas for affection. Relax, Lacey. Like you told James, just because she's single doesn't mean you're going to fall in love. This is a chance to meet new friends, just that. New friends who weren't in the circles that she shared with Jenny. Lacey realized that there was an equal chance she could fall in love with one of the guys, but James hadn't brought her here to meet his guy friends. He'd obviously been thinking about Chris, and Chris alone. What has he told her about me? What is she expecting? Have I dressed up enough? Should I have dressed up more? Crap, overthinking. This is just a hangout. No pressure, Lacey. James beckoned to her, smiling with encouragement, and she took a deep breath as he rang the doorbell. The door swung open, and that breath blew out in a stunned rush. Behind her, lights glowed, emphasizing a wickedly curved body. Short chocolate hair curled gently over forehead and ears, revealing a long, elegant neck, thin shoulders, and plump breasts. Breast more than hinted at by the deep V of her tight, cute shirt. Fight like a girl. Adorable. Skinny jeans showed, up, showed off long, shapely legs. Mint green Chuck Taylors completed the look, both quirky and sexy as hell. Then there was Chris's face, stunning in its seriousness. She had cheekbones that would have made Tilda Swinton jealous and luminous hazel eyes. In short, James had undersold Chris when he described her as stupid hot. Although, seen as he must have introduced her to, to Kristen, and both were now looking at her expectantly. Maybe it had been accurate. She felt stupid, unable to find a coherent greeting. Words. She needed words, like five seconds ago. Finally, her hand reached out of, reached out of instinct, clasping the one offered. Lacey felt a thrill go down her spine at the contact. Chris's hands were soft, warm. Her grip was firm and Lacey's cheeks flared with heat when she saw the sinewy strength of the other woman's forearms. Damn. But then that gorgeous face shifted into a scowl. Kristen dropped her hand and looked with decided distaste at Barkley, who was jumping up on her and scratching for pets. Oh, um, I hope it's okay that I brought my dog. He is not great at being alone. And now I look like the dog equivalent of a crazy cat lady. Maybe I should have left him at home. She'd never cared before what people thought about her devotion to Barkley. That's because he had been there for her when no one else had been. But for the first time, Lacey found herself worrying what he, that he was cramping her style. Kristen looked like she was about to say something that looked a lot like no when Barkley launched himself past her into the house and up the stairs. Lacey's breath caught her in her throat and her mind raced, trying to find a way to stop her dog or turn back time or crap to say something. I'm so sorry, he's pretty nosy. But there wasn't time to explain, 
Scowl turned to panic, and Chris spun around, running after the dog as if her life depended on it. Lacey turned to James, unsure, but he was already following. With no choice, Lacey followed them, calling for her dog and hoping she hadn't already screwed up a chance to get to know Chris, even as a friend. He's a big boy. He's fine when you create him at home, and now he's probably chewing up something special of Chris's, and she'll never let you in her groove or her house or her life. Maybe it was shallow. The prospect of losing the chance of seeing such a beautiful girl again was sending Lacey into panic mode. But so be it. Chris was too intriguing to miss out on, even for Barkley. She followed them upstairs until she literally ran into James. His features panicked, and Kristen, who looked angry, her hands were even shaking. Unsure of what Barkley was doing, but determined to get him out, Lacey pushed past them and into the room, where she promptly froze. Barkley had made himself at home on an occupied bed. The frail man sitting in it was obviously sick. With his bald head and crepey skin, he looked more skeletal than human. The kind of sick that made you uncomfortable to look at. The room looked like it should be in a hospital, not someone's house. Her dog, happy and oblivious, was licking the hands, arms, elbows, anything he could of the sick man. Oh no, she breathed, the weight of the situation hitting her like a sledgehammer. Her derpy, scrambling dog was trying to be sweet, trying to fix the man, and make, in, making everything horribly worse. I'm so sorry, so, so sorry. I'll just get Barkley and go. Lacey's whole body felt electric with embarrassment. There was no hiding space big enough for Lacey in all of her shame. A glance back at Chris showed that the woman clearly agreed with her that everything would be okay if Lacey just disappeared. We'll stop there, with the exception of some terms related to gender that kind of made me mad, and that last phrase, what was it? The kind of sick that made you uncomfortable to look at? That's pretty fucking ableist. Yeah, there was, there's some problematic things about this related to gender, related to ability, I'm intrigued to keep reading, nonetheless, for pure entertainment value and just to see how they handle other issues, to see if it's, like, continually problematic. Let me know what you think of it. Also, mm, for people who belong to vulnerable communities, like, when you hear problematic things come up in entertainment, do you continue to read it? Or watch it? Does it ruin it for you? How does it make you feel? I hadn't pre-read it. Like, I kind of wanted to see what I was going to encounter. And see if that brought up interesting discussion. How did the following pieces make you feel? And is this a book that you would want to read? Let me know in the comments. I hope you have a good weekend. Hope you have a happy Pride. What have you done for Pride so far? Let me know. Anyway, hope you're having a wonderful day. Get some rest. Take good care of yourself. Make good with your ability today. Sending you lots of love and light. Bye-bye.